Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, thank you again for your prayers and support of this ministry. It's because of you that we are plugging away and uh, just uh, really doing well. Praise God. Uh, continue to pray for his protection and provision. Uh, thank you for that. Before we get to one of my favorite Bible teachers, uh, Dr. Andy Woods, in uh, uh, just a few minutes, I want to mention there is an election coming up next week, and you know it seems like here there are there's an election like every other month not really but it seems like that we can't get away from uh politics but we do have a responsibility as christian citizens and we have had on uh christian um men and women that have been in the game getting off the bench into the game uh even even out of state we've had people on heidi st john out in washington we've had or tomorrow we've got jt taylor Dr. James Taylor from Oklahoma. Uh, we've had local candidates on. We will continue to support and do everything except endorse because we are a nonprofit. So we cannot l- endorse, but we can say, hey, I'd recommend if I were voting in your district, this is who I would support. We can say that, right? You see what I did there. So if you in Wisconsin have knowledge of a Christian or conservative candidate, please email comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. We are putting together a list. People contact us all the time, and we don't want to miss anybody in any district, in any county in the state here in our area. So candidates running for school boards and other positions. So please, again, call us or email comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. In the uh, second segment today, or third segment, we are going to unfortunately go back to addressing the moral freefall in the USA. We'll talk about the Supreme Court and uh, what is a woman. Uh, yes, we've got the breaking news on that. And then uh, we're going to also talk about the, the I, did, I forgot all about this. It is actually uh, Trans Day. What do they call it? Transgender Day of Visibility. So, Christian parents, if you have not homeschooled your kids, if you have not pulled them out of the indoctrinated, easy for me to say, indoctrination centers. I'm so passionate about this. That's why I get so ahead of myself. Please, 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 today after school or at the dinner table, talk to your kids. Talk to your children. Find out what they were told today in this day. I've got an email in my hand from a local school. Now, this is Green Bay School um, about why share your pronouns. And this is from a teacher, of course. Um, Celebrate Trans Day. That's right. This day is dedicated to celebrating the accomplishments of transgender and gender diverse people and uh, raise awareness about the work that still needs to be done, right? So this is from a teacher at a local school, and I won't mention the specifics because we have insiders Christians in the schools that send us this information. So my point is, it's not just in San Francisco, New York City, um, you know, Chicago, Atlanta. You know, it is in every small school district in the country. So please, let's not be naive any longer. 
So we'll talk about that in the third segment, Lord willing. But today, I can't wait to jump into all the different things. We're talking about Gog, Magog, Bill Gates, the New World Order, Andy Stanley, apostasy that maybe you haven't heard of, but you might need to be aware of, with Dr. Andy Woods. Now, he's a pastor and teacher at Sugarland Bible Church in Texas, the Houston area. He's got a lot of books out. His recent that we talked about last time he was on is called Babylon, The Bookends of Prophetic History. He's the president of Schaefer Theological Seminary and founder of Andy Woods Ministries. And one book we are going to go back and revisit from about five years ago is The Middle East Meltdown. We're going to touch on that today. Pastor Andy Woods, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. David, uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. And thank you for your pastor's point of views that you continue to put out. Um, now I provide the link on Rumble out of necessity. Um, have you had any issues on YouTube, by the way? Well, you know, I've had um, two videos uh, censored by YouTube, um, and about two months apart, and they were both on unrelated topics. Hmm. So apparently I, I keep speaking outside the box they want me in, and so rather than jeopardize the whole channel, I think what I'm going to do is just do pastor's point of view on my other platforms, mm -hmm. which would be Rumble. Um, also, um, we have a podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably just stick with the verse-by-verse -verse Bible teaching for YouTube, because I don't want to jeopardize that. Okay. So, you know, I was, I was kind of feeling left out. All my conservative friends had been discriminated against, and <laughs> I, I thought, gosh, when is it my turn? Well, I got my turn, and I feel included with the in-group now. <laughs> it's about time, Andy. I mean, it took, took you a while to catch up to us. All right, so uh, seriously, this is just, it. we laugh, but we understand the seriousness of Christians in the biblical worldview being censored, suppressed, shadow banned, not only minimized and ignored anymore or disagreed with, they are now sh trying to silence us. So this is an important issue, but I want to encourage you, friends, to go to uh, Andy's YouTube channel, uh, Andy Woods Ministries, and some of there's some great teachings on there, along with the pastor's point of views uh, that he's done previously. But today, we want to go back to what's happening uh, recently. We haven't really dug into the Gog Magog um, subject based on what's happening with Russia and Ukraine and how that might relate to Israel. So, uh, Pastor Andy, where do you want to start? You said some fascinating things in some notes that I read that you sent me. Well, I guess the the main topic that's on everybody's mind is the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, and that, of course, uh, brings Russia down from the north, and the Ukraine is sort of, you know, on the way to Israel in that, you know, northern trajectory. And so a lot of people have asked me, you know, is the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, is it a fulfillment of prophecy? And I would say no because the prophecies demand that, I'm speaking now of Ezekiel 38 and 39, you know, demand that Russia invade the Middle East, which she hasn't done yet. But, you know, as I said before, uh, the Ukraine is on the way to the Middle East. And so uh, Russian invasion of the Ukraine, to my mind, is stage-setting to a large extent mm -hmm. for what Ezekiel predicts. And beyond that... Um, the communist revolution didn't even happen in Russia until 1917. You know, Russia used to be a uh, Christian Orthodox country. Hmm. 
And my goodness, it's interesting how history has caught up to what the Bible says. We now see a very aggressive Russia, and that's exactly what Ezekiel 38 and 39 predicts. So, you know, that's sort of how I see the invasion of the Ukraine as sort of stage setting for Mm -hmm. what Ezekiel predicts in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Yes, and... uh Radio is more difficult when it comes to talking about these issues because when you do your pastor's point of view and when you do sermons on this topic, uh, by the way, Zechariah, we just studied that last night. We're going through uh, that very prophetic book with our pastor at our church on the Wednesday night Bible study. And there's some related uh, topics, and he talked about uh, Revelation 6 and Ezekiel 38 and a lot to touch on. But um, you provide maps. I find that to be more fascinating because through the years studying the Bible, you don't always flip in the back of your Bibles and look at the maps and the related, and you don't get the updated maps and what they are trying to do, those that are trying to wipe Israel off the face of the map, and those who do not want to talk about the borders that God set up, right? This is all fascinating when you do your pastor's point of view, and by the way, you've got that coming up tomorrow. Uh, Can people watch that live, and, and after that, where can they access it? Is Rumble the best place? Yeah, I mean, we we um, do it Facebook Live. Okay. You know, Facebook, though, has been doing something to us lately where it, they've made it very choppy for us to do a live broadcast. So your success on doing getting it on Facebook at Andy Woods Ministries is, I don't know, you've got about a 75% chance of getting <laughs> getting it in totality. But fortunately, we archive it. So we're going to be archiving it on Rumble. Just go to... Andy Woods Ministries on Rumble, and um, we also have a podcast, so wherever you get your podcast, just type into the search engine my name and and maybe Pastor's Point of View, and it should show up. Okay, great. Um, So back to the maps, Andy. I find it fascinating. Um, Last night we were looking at a map of all the land that was laid out, and then we were looking at a different map of all the nations that were gonna, are going to move into place prophetically and come against Israel. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know it's maybe more difficult to describe on a podcast and on the radio. Right. Well, you know, a lot of these names in Ezekiel 38, verses 2 through 7, really come from Genesis 10. Hmm. Uh, Genesis 10, you know, is a record of where Noah's descendants settled following the global flood and the Tower of Babel event. And it's just a matter of consulting some scholarly sources and figuring out where those people groups went. And so the modern nations containing those ancient people groups and ancient names, we believe, are the attackers predicted by Ezekiel 2,600 years ago in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. So very quickly, you know, we believe Rosh is Russia. We believe Magog is Central Asia, which, by the way, would include Afghanistan, which is very interesting when you Mm. remember the debacle that happened there a couple months ago. Uh, Persia would be Iran. Uh, Kush would be the Sudan. Put would be Libya. And then, interestingly, there are four names given, all identifying what we think is modern-day Turkey, Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, and Tagorma. Hmm. And then after you do that analysis, it's just a matter of then looking at your headlines, yeah. and it's, it's stunning how all of those powers have moved into proper orbit. 
They're all hostile to Israel, and they're all cooperating with each other. So it's uh, we're living li- literally in a very unique period of time where, as I said before, history has finally caught up to you know, the pages of God's Word. We're living in the days of Ezekiel. Yes, we are. And uh, we're looking at the first seven verses in Ezekiel chapter 38. Um, th- it's interesting that uh, the, the, the timing of this is always fascinating to us because we are not on God's timetable, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's so much is happening in, in this generation, in our lifetimes, and I think more people are waking up and wanting to study Bible prophecy. Thank God but, of course, we know there's a lot of churches that don't even touch on this, and that's, you know, we've talked about that in the past, um, Andy, and it's, it's very sad that some of them minimize a Bible prophecy, which is almost one-third of the Bible, um, and I don't, I don't understand how you can avoid it, but I guess there's a fear of getting it wrong. Uh, there's a fear of not wanting to address certain things that are still future, that maybe they don't have confidence in teaching that. Can you briefly speak to that issue I say that because a lot of our listeners are trying to find a good church that teaches the whole counsel of God, including Bible prophecy. And I get emails all the time that how can I approach my pastor and ask him to teach through these things? So what what can you share to encourage some of our listeners in those places? Well, I would say if you have a pastor that's committed to the full counsel of God's Word, um, you have to, at some point, touch on Bible prophecy, since 27% of the Bible was prophetic or eschatological at the time it was written. And so if a pastor won't touch on those things at all, they're literally leaving out over a quarter of the Bible from the their pulpit ministry. And the other thing that I'm hearing from people, or one of the main things I'm hearing from people, is pastors are afraid to touch this because they think it's too divisive. You know, they're afraid it's going to divide their church because Christians are not all on the same page concerning, you know, the the specific timing of Bible prophecy. Hmm. But, you know, John Walvoord, one of the great defenders of pre-tribulationalism and premillennialism, was asked that in his day. You know, why do you spend so much time on prophecy when it's divisive? And his response was, well, you know what? The whole Bible is divisive. (laughs) Yes. Um, I mean, look at all the subjects the Bible addresses, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, The gender surrender, uh, (laughs) divorce, Mm -hmm. remarriage. I mean, we could go on and on. So if, if you're afraid of division... Not only do you have to leave out Bible prophecy, you have to leave out really most, if not all, of the Bible, particularly things like the exclusivity of Christ, salvation is found only in Christ. That's Mm -hmm. a terribly divisive issue. And so what pastors need to understand is they are are truth brokers. You know, they are in the truth business, Mm -hmm. and we try to teach the truth in love. And whether it pits people against each other or divides the church, I mean, that's God's business. Our business is to declare the full counsel of God's Word. And so that's my exhortation to Mm -hmm. pastors that might be shrinking away from Bible prophecy. Mm, Praise God for that. Um, We're going to get to something that's on the disturbing side of this topic when we uh, address Andy Stanley and uh, the subject of apostasy and, and, you know, the essentials of the faith and just some of the things that he has shared or said over the years um, it's it's just very disappointing knowing that these men are very influential and have mega churches. But let's get back to the issue of Russia, Ukraine, and how about Israel? How does that f- come into this? Um, you sent me a quote 
about Russia that uh, stating during a meeting of the United Nations Security Council that it does not recognize Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights. Why is this important, Andy Woods? Well, you remember it was Trump that did recognize that sovereignty as far as the United States is concerned. And uh, all of a sudden you have the nation of Israel saying it doesn't recognize Israel's sovereignty. And they made this statement, you know, as the Russian invasion of the Ukraine was either taking place or about to take place. So the reason that I um, included that is I wanted to basically demonstrate what Russia's true intention is. Mm. I mean, their true intention is not just to invade the Ukraine. Uh, I mean, or else why would they make this statement about we don't recognize Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights mm. at this same meeting when they're ta- where they're talking about the Ukraine? And it's not just the Golan Heights, by the way, that they don't recognize, but they don't recognize Israel's sovereignty over the city of Jerusalem. You remember Trump moved our embassy, yes, and in the process recognized that Jerusalem is the capital of undivided Israel. Well, here is this uh, high-ranking agent from Russia at this meeting that you're talking about, indicating that he doesn't recognize Jerusalem mm-hmm. as uh, belonging to Israel. He doesn't recognize the Golan Heights as belonging to Israel, and he's talking about all of these things on the eve of the Ukrainian invasion, and I just found that article very interesting because the agenda of Russia is not just the Ukraine. It's ultimately to move into the Middle East and invade Israel, and that shouldn't surprise us because that's what Bible prophecy predicts. You also mentioned that Prime Minister uh, Bennett um, was saying some very concerning things about the United States. And um, just briefly, we'll talk a little bit about that when we come back, because I do want to jump to the uh, Red Heifer update about the Third Temple, because Christians are fascinated by the prophecy involving the the Temple. But um, could you set that up just for a minute or two, and we'll talk more about it, about their concern about the United States not supporting Israel? Well, he, you know, apparently is upset, um, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, and he made some statements at a um, cabinet meeting, and he basically is upset that the United States has a, determ- quote, determination to sign the nuclear deal with Iran almost at any cost, including saying that the world's largest terrorist organization is not a terrorist organization, uh, not a, excuse me, not a, the world's largest terrorist organization is really not a terrorist organization. Hmm. And so this is part of this um, Iran deal that the Biden administration is trying to work out, and he's pointing out that this is to uh, Israel's detriment. Mm -hmm. And uh, it says uh, other countries, uh, um, allies of the U.S. in that region. It's it's not just an Israeli problem, um, if we could just sum that up there. But, um, Andy, we are going to talk about some fascinating Uh, updates on the third temple Uh, some newer believers might not understand the importance of the red heifer so we'll talk about that when we come back but i also found it fascinating about this plan for a digital dollar a digital dollar that's a threat to our freedom and we're going to also talk about evangelical ecumenism when we come back bill gates andy stanley we'll get to that as well plus the supreme court on standard for the truth keep it right here 
Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So we're Dr. Andy Woods today. Um, we are going to get to some of these topics, hopefully. Um, my article this week, I want to point you to, it's called Out of Order, Supremely Demonic Democrat Agendas. And of course, it's not just the Democrats, but it's a catchy title. Out of Order, Order in the Court, right? The Supreme Court is compromised. They're going to be veering toward the left in the near future. Uh, it's not a prediction. That's just speculation, maybe. But we're going to talk about what Clarence Thomas had to say about that. We'll get to that in the next segment when we talk about the USA being in a moral free fall. And we'll address what I teased at the very top, the transgender day of visibility, right? As if they're not all over the place. Anyway, if you watch any kind of TV or um, anyway, it's, it's just all around us. You, you've got to share with your kids. If you have kids that are in school, uh, K through 12, you've got to be able to have conversations about this, friends. You've got to know how to address these things. So back to prophecy and back to some of these fascinating issues, like we will get to the Biden's plan for a digital dollar. And uh, also Bill Gates is involved. Um, yeah, he's promoting this idea of an electronic tattoo that uh, somehow these things will be in a special kind of ink that they're going to use. But let's talk about Israel. Let's talk about the third temple and get a red heifer update. Uh, Pastor Andy Woods, uh, thank you for sending me this story. And there's a video that uh, you'll be sharing a little later on in or tomorrow with your pastor's point of view. But talking about the importance that people don't understand where this comes from, why a red heifer, why a perfect heifer, and why don't they just do sacrifices now in the third temple? How is this all going to work out? Well, the red heifer comes from Numbers 19, and it was a special animal, when you read that chapter, that was breeded, and it had to be genetically pure. You know, no stray hairs is what I'm trying to say. Wow. And it was used for purification of the temple. You'll see that in Numbers 19, verse 4. And it was its ashes were uh, mixed with water to cleanse the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. You'll see that in Numbers 19, verse 13, verses 20 and 21, and you'll see it in Numbers 31, verse 23. So the reason the red heifer is such a big deal is it's necessary to rededicate or purify unto God the temple. And the fact that they are so aggressively breeding this red heifer that has to be, as I said before, genetically pure, shows us that we are on the precipice of a third temple. Mm -hmm. which Bible prophet, We've talked about it for a long time. The Bible prophecy demands it. It's mentioned in Daniel 9, verse 27, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 4, Revelation 11, verses 1 and 2, and Matthew 24, verse 15. It's something that the Antichrist will desecrate midway through the tribulation period, and he can't do that unless the temple exists with functioning sacrifices. And you can't have the third temple until you have it dedicated, and you can't have it dedicated until you have the red heifer on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why uh, that little video there, um, people can go to the Temple Institute, watch it, uh, is so interesting. And some of the recent postings of the Temple Institute, mm. that's the group in Israel that is ambitious to rebuild this third temple, 
is interesting because they also say they have another update coming, and we don't know exactly what that update will be. Ah. But the fact that they're even discussing this yes. shows us how close we are to Temple Number 3. Yes, it is prophetic. And don't they also have most of the utensils and instruments needed? Don't they already have those in place? Yeah. In fact, when you go to Jerusalem, and you know, I've been there several times, I recommend people, you know, travel there as well. Um, one of the places you can go is the Temple Institute, and you walk through there, and it's just eerie, um, because they've got the priestly garb selected, they've got, you know, caricatures and diagrams of what the temple is going to look like, uh, right down to the coloration of the priestly robes. And it's a most it's a it's a detailed um, tour given by Jews. These would be unbelieving Jews mm-hmm. who are functioning without the light of the New Testament, mm-hmm. and they're just dead set on bringing into existence Temple Three. In fact, I used to go through there, and they would say, um, "We're waiting for our Messiah to come so he can build the third temple." And I noticed more recently in some recent trips I've taken there their vocabulary has changed, where they're no longer saying we're waiting for our Messiah to come to rebuild the temple. What they're saying is we need to rebuild the temple so our Messiah can come. Well, that's a pretty big change. (laughs) Yes, and we know who their Messiah is. While they're in unbelief, they're going to fall under the sway of the Antichrist, Mm. who will betray them midway through the tribulation period by desecrating the temple. And then when you ask them about the Dome of the Rock, they act uh, like that's just no big deal at all. <laughs> they've, got the, they've got that figured out, um, you know, because that has to be moved according to some scenarios in order for Temple Number 3 to exist. But just the confidence in which they, you know, portray the Third Temple is eminent and mm. on the horizon. Uh, you know, the Bible says without a vision the people perish, and they've got the vision in place. And this red heifer, which is necessary to dedicate the whole thing, has to be bred beforehand. And so we're literally living in a time period where the pages of Bible prophecy are just jumping off the the page, and God is kind of smacking us upside the head with a two-by-four, you know, reminding us what season of time we're living in. Yes, trying to wake us up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think that's, uh, to the Church of Smyrna, didn't uh, Jesus say, wake up and do the things that you did at first? If you do not wake up, I will come. And uh, it's it's, it's pretty uh, harsh warning. But, um, Andy, it says even a few red hairs or non-red hairs would disqualify this red heifer candidate. Now, do they literally go over this with a microscope or, I mean, a magnifying glass? How do they do that? I mean, you're looking at, you're trying to get perfection here, and I think only God can do that, but what are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. They they try to breed um, a red heifer, and they think they've got a winner, and then uh, a stray hair shows up, and they get disappointed, and they think, well, wait a minute, maybe that stray hair will disappear. <laughs> And it's it's so interesting going to the Temple Institute website and or YouTube channel and just watching their YouTube videos. Hmm. I recommend people watch just a two-minute video on the Red Heifer update from March 1st of last year, 2021, where they describe this waiting game. 
um, because apparently, according to Numbers 19, there has to the red heifer has to be genetically pure, no stray hairs, as we've said before. So the fact that they're even having this conversation, and, and they talk about how we haven't really talked about this for 2,000 years, and suddenly the nation of Israel is having this discussion, um, it shows you their mindset, and it shows us as Christians how close we are to the end of the age. It's interesting. I just pulled up a video from the Temple Institute a YouTube channel, and there's only like 2,600 views on that. I'm thinking, wow, this should be a bigger topic for those that are interested in yeah. prophecy, but that's kind of fascinating, so I'm going to put this link in the podcast uh, post. Yeah, people will love it if yeah. they watch that. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on, uh, Pastor Andy Woods, and uh, we're just so blessed to have your perspective on this, the pastor's perspective um, on what's happening, not only prophetically, but with the New World Order. I haven't talked to you in a month or two. Were you surprised that Biden maybe said the quiet part out loud and, and said that uh, they're pushing for a New World Order and it hasn't happened in a while, but America has to lead, lead it? I want to get your thoughts because we haven't talked since he said that. Well, I'm, you know, we're old enough to remember George Bush Sr. Yes, yes. And I remember when he used the expression, the New World Order, you know, following the Gulf War, that there was such an outcry against it, his use of the term that he quit using it for the duration of his term. And now politicians like like Joe Biden, the, the alleged leader of the free world, um, uses the term just openly. He's not trying to hide it. Um, he's not being, uh, you know, clandestine about it. He's very overt. He's very conspicuous about it. And nobody really seems to care that much. It's, it hardly garners a lot of attention. I know. You know, it maybe survives a news cycle or two, but it's quickly forgotten. And the reason I find it interesting is it shows me how close they are to pulling this off, mm-hmm. where they don't have to do anything anymore under, you know, under privacy and secrecy. Um, and, and it shows me that as they get closer and closer to their goal of their new world order, uh, they just get more and more brazen about it. So it's just another sign of the times indicating the unique time period that we're now living in. Yep, and something I wanted to ask you about, too, was very fascinating of what he said. Um, these words, we're at an inflection point in the world economy, and he said now is the time when things are shifting, and then he said there's going to be a new world order. Is it because of COVID and medical tyranny and the uh, World Economic Forum and all that happened over the last two-plus years that he's, he's referring to we're at an inflection point, similar to Klaus Schwab and the things that they say, we are, we've got to take advantage of this opportunity? Oh, exactly. Um, they're saying all of this uh, not just because of alleged climate change, which I thought was the man-made uh, crisis uh, that they were going to you know, take us all the way into the new world order because you can't have global governance until you have a global crisis. So they mm. manufactured, you know, so-called climate change as a crisis. But now they've got another crisis that they're using. We've got this uh, ma- plandemic or mandemic or <laughs> pandemic, whatever you want to call it, and they are milking this for all it's worth. Yes. Uh, we all understand that. We see them doing it, and it's their mindset is it's now or never. 
we've got to milk these two crises, particularly the latter one, you know, right into the New World Order. And when you actually listen to them speak, there's just a real sense of urgency that they have about it. Okay, this brings us into our next topic, um, which I haven't been keeping up on this at all. But a week ago, an article came out over at Newsweek, and it's Biden's plan for a digital dollar. Um, tell us what, how this is going to all work out, because this is very concerning for those who love freedom and want to maintain our freedom and our currency. Uh, Pastor Andy, what, what can you tell us about that? I know you can only kind of give us the bullet points because you're going to do this in depth tomorrow on your pastor's point of view. But a digital dollar, what is that? And how can they pull this off? Right. Well, it's a, it's a March 9th, so it's fairly recent. Biden administration executive order directing a list of government agencies develop plans to regulate cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, as well as lay out a plan for a digital dollar. Mm. And the bottom line to the whole thing is if you move to a digital dollar, um, money in print form won't exist anymore, and digital dollars could be easily tracked. That means they have a record of your spending habits. And if, for example, you're not you know, environmentally friendly in your spending or you spend your money on politically incorrect causes, then you could be locked out of the economic system because you have a low social credit score. And uh, this, of course, is not fantasy. This is exactly what the... Chinese Communist Party is doing to control its massive population in China, and they want to bring what's going on in China all over the world, and their big target is the United States, and the movement towards a digital dollar, in my estimation, enhances that process. And what, I mean, this, this is something that they're doing, you know, it's, it's open. It's, 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 they're not trying to hide it, especially when someone like Newsweek would report on it. it do, shouldn't this kind of send a signal and, and tell us something as well? Right, because, you know, Revelation 13, 16 through 18, famous verses, uh, talk about a time period where people cannot buy or sell unless they receive a, a mark. And mm. so the... Phasing out of cash has always been a top priority of theirs because as long as we're trafficking in cash, they can't monitor my buying behavior. But the moment we move to this digitized system, like this digital dollar or some you know form of it, is the moment everything I do can be tracked. And if I'm you know politically incorrect in what I'm doing, I can be locked out of the system. And so this moves us not further away. It's interesting that technology never moves us further away from Revelation 13, 16 through 18. Mm. It moves us aggressively in the direction of Revelation 13, 16 Absolutely. through 18. And David, we've been very clear that we don't think this is the mark of the beast, right. but we think it's preparatory for it. Mm -hmm. Amen. Just like the vaccines and things they put mm -hmm. in vaccines, uh, it's setting the stage, so to speak. So let's. we've only got three minutes left, so let's touch on Bill Gates and this electronic tattoo that could become part of our everyday lives. And the thing that st stood out to me is they're talking about the potential to replace our smartphones. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, this comes from a Euro EuroWeeklyNews.com article, March the 6th. But this 
here's Bill Gates at it again. <laughs> um, this new tattoo contains some tiny sensors and trackers, which subsequently conduct, conduct electricity that will be used to send and receive information, something that is known as the Near Field Communication NFC chip. Wow. And the whole thing is designed to erase the smartphones. In fact, if you go back to the or, or, origin of the smartphone, um, they say the CEO at that time basically said the smartphone is just one step. We want to actually move this technology into people's bodies. Wow. And apparently they're seeking to do this with this um, electronic uh, tattoo. And it's, it's more of an opportunity for them to monitor your life, monitor whether they think you're eating right, monitor your health. Um, and, of course, this is all promoted under the guise of uh, convenience, but it's just another way of getting the government's nose under mm. the tent and, in this case, right into your very own body. Yes, and we are it's amazing. I see how they're trying to do this. They're trying to sell us on convenience, and you'll have your medical information easily accessible, as if we haven't heard that over the last couple of years. But they're moving in this direction, friends, so resist that if, if you uh, hear this coming up. Um, so when we come back from our break, we've got a couple unfortunate stories, one in particular on evangelical ecumenism and another about Andy Stanley. I mean, it's, it's like at some point he's channeling Joel Osteen, but in others he's, he's going way off the rails of even not even supporting the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and that this is just wrong. We're going to dissect some of these things and address them, plus the Supreme Court and defining what is a woman. Didn't think we'd have these conversations, but here we are, coming up next on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. So the low-hanging fruit to address in a few minutes will be the uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Judge Jackson, who's going through the confirmation process, who probably will be the next uh, Supreme Court Justice, and it's sad that she can't even tell what a, a baby in the womb is or when life begins or what a woman is. And this is just amazing that we've come this far where someone being appointed for the highest court in the land has to watch their answers and not even answer truthfully, because I, I think deep down she knows the answers. But anyway, we're going to get to that, friends. But we've got to talk about uh, what we had warned about, uh, I think, uh, about a month ago, at least several weeks ago, and that was the Global Faith Forum in Dallas and uh, Kansas City earlier this month, uh, Multi-Faith Neighbors Network, MFNN, and they had a gathering in Washington, D.C. last week. And Andy, you're going to talk about this in depth tomorrow on your pastor's point of view, but I want to jump down to the document that supports what they call anti-extremism, human rights for all people, and women's rights. It ensures religious and cultural diversity, encourages peaceful coexistence, and supports legislation against hate, violence, and discrimination between religions. Well, I, when I hear coexistence, I'm thinking, okay, the coexist bumper sticker is against the Christian worldview. Don't have it on your car if you're a believer in Christ. But it's interesting, Andy Woods, that they seem to be, just like our government is redefining certain words like misinformation and malinformation, in this context, 
these religious leaders, evangelical, Muslim, Jewish, they're defining extremism, diversity, what it means to coexist and hate and human rights. So share your thoughts about that portion of this. Well, you know, this comes from an article from the Jerusalem Post, and it's about evangelical Muslim and Jewish leaders commit to working together, you know, for humanitarian reasons. And if evangelical Christians are supposed to come together in that kind of coalition, I I wish someone would show me the Bible verse that tells us to get involved in something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, 2 John verses 9 through 11 tells us to do the exact opposite. It says if someone comes to you with a different doctrine, don't invite them into your house and don't even give them a greeting. Mm. And here evangelical Christians are doing the exact opposite with these sort of interfaith humanitarian projects. But as you mentioned before, it apparently is based on a, uh, a charter that you referenced. And, of course, they've got the terms in the charter so broadly defined that anybody who steps out of line could come under the rod of persecution mm. because you're an extremist. You're a hater. Um, you could take that broad language and you can apply it to anyone, and I, apparently they want to ap- apply it to people like ourselves who are considered fundamentalists and absolutists in their mind, and they want to target us right away because our belief system is would not cooperate with something like this. Yeah, Christian conservatives, um, um, traditionalists, patriots, uh, I think we would be considered extremists, uh, I'm guessing, but they talk about diversity. That's being overused and overused in our society today, from government to the school system to Hollywood to here we go. Now it's becoming a religious issue. Coexistence concerns me when they talk about this. What do they mean by that? They mean you can't uh, support an exclusive claim like Jesus, the deity of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's very exclusive, but that won't fall under the coexist um, uh, subject, so they can't allow that, correct? Right. And, um, you know, it's really what this whole thing is, when you just boil it down to its basics, is it's preparatory for the one world religion Mm -hmm. that Revelation 17 talks about. Yes. And globalists, I've got some quotes from globalists, Charles Schleicher, all the way back in the 1950s, said, look, here's the final plank that needs to be added if we're going to achieve world government. We've got to have global religion. And you can't have global religion unless you are able to unite all of the religions into one. And the only people that wouldn't fit into that system would be people like ourselves that are true Bible believers. So we're already being targeted for persecution and discrimination ahead of time by being called, you know, extremists. Interesting. Okay, so we're aware of this, and we're warning about it, friends. Keep your eyes open for more of these meetings or conferences, you know, blending other religions uh, under the guise of building bridges and and harmony and all that. So— the concerning topic today that we need to talk about, I like this article at patheos.com uh, by Grayson Gilbert. Once again, I ask Andy Stanley to resign. So this came up again uh, in, a, I guess, a sermon he gave a couple weeks ago when he said, the Christian faith doesn't rise and fall on the accuracy or inaccuracy of 66 ancient documents 
or books we call the Bible, it rises and falls on the identity of a single individual, Jesus of Nazareth. What's wrong with that statement, Pastor Andy Woods? Well, what's wrong with it is Genesis 3, verse 1. Um, The very first lie that Satan told to the human race is, did God really say? In other words, he cast aspersions on God's Word. And the more Andy Stanley, you know, continues on with this line of thinking, he's apparently promoting a form of Christianity which looks at the Bible as almost secondary. Mm. For example, in this article, it talks about in the past, he's marginalized the virgin birth. Mm -hmm. You know, the virgin birth is really not as important as the resurrection, you know, pitting two scriptural concepts against each other. He's also said that we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Um, And I'm sorry, but the early church in Acts 17, verse 6, turned the world upside down, and they didn't have a New Testament yet. (laughs) They did that entirely with the Old Testament. And now his latest thing, you know, is talking about how really what's important is the identity of Jesus Christ and not the accuracy of the Bible. Well, my response to that is, how would we know anything about Jesus Christ, including his resurrection, if it weren't for the Bible? And beyond that, the resurrection itself, um, saying Christianity rises or falls completely on the resurrection, it's almost as if Andy Stanley is preparing people to receive the Antichrist, Hmm. because we know from Revelation 13 that the Antichrist is going to receive a mortal wound and then miraculously come back to life. So if I'm not supposed to look at the virgin birth anymore or the scripture anymore, but only my understanding of the resurrection, wouldn't the Antichrist fit the bill for that? Hmm. And so, you know, all of these things that he keeps talking about fit right with Genesis 3, verse 1. He keeps trying to get evangelical Christians away from the Bible. Yes and on to some other topic. That seems to be the common theme here in these statements that he makes. And his recent statement, which we've talked a lot about, dissing, in a way, the Old Testament, unhitching from it, uh, the truth of Genesis 1-1 is equally as foundational to the Christian faith as the truth of the resurrection. And it says that in in here, uh, the truths of the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis lay the foundation for our Christian worldview. But one of the things he said... I think it's quoting him, this article is quoting him, if you choose to follow Jesus, it will eventually make your life better, and it will make you better at life. That's a guarantee. And I'm going, oh, really? Um, Because ignore Christian persecution, ignore what's happening in a majority of nations around the globe um, to believers in Christ and the underground church and and everyone else. And, And through the history, through the ages, the churches, I mean, the believers that have been killed, for their faith. So if, if it will eventually make your life better, I mean, gosh. And so there's also a little shout out, it seems, to red letter Christians. Um, what's your initial response to the suggestion that the Christian faith rises or falls on the reliability of the Gospels rather than the reliability of the entire Bible? And so you're, you're focusing on just the Gospels now, maybe the red letters, because, you know, Jesus' words, and, and we're getting away, as you said, from the whole counsel of God. Well, if uh, Adam did not introduce into the world a life sin, sin terminated by death, 
I mean, if that didn't happen, and the only place you get a, get a description of when it happened is, is in Genesis 1 through 11. But if that didn't happen, there's then an incentive to look to the Savior for a solution. Hmm. I mean, you don't reach out for a observer until you figure out that you're drowning. And the only place to figure out you're drowning is in Genesis 1 through 11. <laughs> so the Bible is sequentially, and it's laid out very logically. And when he comes along and says those early chapters really aren't significant, the virgin birth isn't significant, what really matters is the resurrection, he is um, tampering with the order that God himself has given in the Bible as an explanation for why someone needs to be saved. Mm. Amen. So we've got about seven minutes left. Um, I want to just wrap this up by just saying thank you, uh, who is the, the gentleman, Grayson Gilbert. I think I've seen some things at Pathos that I didn't necessarily, necessarily support, but I really like uh, the stand on this one. He says, Andy Stanley, please step out of the pulpit. Um, and then this, there's also a quote in there that goes back to something you said, Andy Woods, about pastors that avoid Bible prophecy. It says, pastors are entrusted with the oracles of God. And the, as uh, it says in James, they will, be, they will incur a stricter judgment. Uh, for what they teach. But uh, what else does it say? Um, to put it in the bluntest way I know how, this is absolute anarchy to what the Bible teaches about itself. I mean, read Psalm 119 for starters and to see what God, how he reveres his word, his truth. So we've got to jump ahead here, um, mm -hmm. Pastor Andy, and let's talk about um, a little bit about the USA in a moral free fall. You guys can listen tomorrow to Andy Woods and his pastor's point of view. In depth, he will touch on these things, infanticide and some of these issues that are happening in our own country. But I want to focus briefly on the Supreme Court. Justice Clarence Thomas, God bless him, um, and he gave a warning about the future of the court that it's an institution that's going to be compromised. We just have seen the circus that is the modern nomination process for a Supreme Court justice. We saw another one recently. And uh, Andy, was just your thoughts on this Judge Jackson and how she was maybe uh, forced, backed into a corner on how to answer some questions? Well, you know, the Supreme Court, the left figured out a long time ago that they can't get their ideas passed at the ballot box. Mm -hmm. So whatever radical social ideas they have, whether it be abortion on demand or whether it be, you know, throwing Bible reading and prayer out of the public school system, things that Americans won't support, they've got to, they've got to accomplish it through the unelected judiciary. And for a long time they've taught this idea that the Constitution is just a living document which basically means it depends on what the judge says it is. Mm -hmm. And if they get enough progressives on the Supreme Court, then they can just carve out legislation from the bench, and we can't do anything about it because in the federal judiciary they are appointed for life. And so that's why this um, Katanji Brown-Jackson is now being nominated by the Biden administration, somebody who believes in abortion on demand. Yes, and believes Roe versus Wade is settled law and can't be overturned, even though the Roe court itself, back in 1972 and 1973, trashed settled law. Now all of a sudden we have to respect settled law. And, you, you know, she gets asked very simple questions like, can you define a woman? And she says she can't because she's not a 
what did she say? I'm not a biologist. I'm not a biologist. <laughs> I mean, that's like me standing out in the rain and getting wet, and someone says, "Hey, is it raining?" Well, I can't answer that question. I'm not a me- meteorologist. <laughs> you know, it's a it, it's uh, we've become yes. Romans one fools. Yes, and Je- uh, the book of Jonah talks about the city of Nineveh which had 120,000 people in it, and the people couldn't tell their, metaphorically, right from their left. Mm. And so that's that's where we are today in the United States. And the Supreme Court, sadly, is leading the charge into this uh, progressive revolution that's breaking out all over our country. Yes, and you will address this in depth tomorrow on your pastor's point of view, this portion, uh, USA being in a moral free fall. Um, yeah, she believes in a right to abortion and other things, which it's it's just really amazing when you have a president saying weeks ago or a month ago that I'm only going to allow uh, black women to be candidates I would I would support for nomination for the Supreme. Then you go, okay, wait a minute. So all others are not qualified because of what? Anyway, wrap it up, Andy. We've got a, just a couple, actually a minute left or less. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about the transgender day of visibility. Your warning to Christian parents who have kids in the public schools that are being bombarded with this indoctrination. Well, I would reiterate what you said at the top of the broadcast that it's time for an exodus. Mm-hmm. You know, get th- those public schools are not public schools. I mean, I'm a product of public school. K through 12, but they're very different now than what they were then when I graduated from high school in 1985. Mm -hmm. They're far more interested in programming kids with critical race theory and climate change and global governance than they are teaching the fundamentals. And so I concur with what you said earlier. It's time for an exodus, and it's time that we retake Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7, the Hebrew Shema, which means listen, which clearly puts parents in charge of the moral upbringing and education of their own children. Amen. And check out our podcast with Alex Newman on Tuesday about the public school exodus and how to support that. Andy Woods, God bless you, brother. Thank you so much for all you do, and we'll uh, keep in touch. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so tomorrow we've got Pastor J.T. Taylor from Oklahoma with us. And God bless you as always. Keep speaking the truth about things that matter.